But what you're doing is you're creating this like crazy, crazy potential moments where like you might, you might have gotten into that fight at resort and then you spawn back in and you spawned in on customs and you're like, ah, oh, this is way too far to run. I'm not even going to go. So then you move into factory and you meet him there and you kill him and you're like, he had my stuff. Like that would just be so cool. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast, the show dedicated to talking about all the progress things in life, like music, content creation, and video games. I am one of your co-hosts, Jesse Kazam, an Escape from Tarkov YouTuber and Twitch streamer. Uh, and I'm Veritas, um, a level three cleric, rogue, wizard uh, with proficiencies in magic missile and two arm, two two weapon fighting. You're a Magic the Gathering god. <laughs> Dude, I felt that. I felt that like <laughs> in my bones. Deep. Deep. Well, what's up, man? You've been you've been live for a while now. Have you just been playing magic? Did you start with Tarkov or did you just go right into your bliss and just skip over the pain? Right into my bliss. I think I played Tarkov in the last like ten days for like two hours, maybe. Mm. Um nice. I feel that yeah, though. It's been just enjoyable that's good that's so good that's so good yeah i uh well i'm sure we're going to talk about it a little bit i've been playing a lot of like the cycle as well but i did i did play tarkov solo so i've been playing tarkov still like every day almost every single day for you know different amounts of time sometimes it's like two hours and then we switch to another game and sometimes it's like all night and uh i had been telling you that like the past few weeks i've just been getting my stuff pushed in just like i've been getting absolutely annihilated and uh the last like day or two that i played i actually had some really really good raids we're at this like super weird part of the white man where it's like i feel like the the uh i don't really play labs so like, outside of labs it you know the the stereotype is that right now everybody's going to be a giga chad slick alt meta m4 right like that's the stereotype i feel like that's the least common player sans labs right like if you go to labs you probably either get that or the you know rat rig no helmet meta m4 like those are the two people but everywhere else you either get the poor souls that either just started or reset their account like the amount of like level one to tens i'm killing on customs it makes i'm like oh i feel so bad or you get like the absolute tryhards but with ridiculous kits like i was in like a nine minute like the most try-hard fight I've ever been in my entire life with a level 62 tracksuit guy who had a Mosin and a rat rig no helmet on customs and dorms. Dude, he, it was like, I ended up killing him and like, I went on this like rant. I was like, bro, I was like, just chill. I mean, dude, dropping, like he was dropping. I was jumping in windows. We were jumping in out of windows, like the most meta maneuvers ever. But he only had a Mosin and a rat rig. And it was like, I'm, I'm assuming that's how he is, has fun, right? Because like he probably would have annihilated yeah. me with it with he had a mutant or an HK or something like that. But because he only had a bolty, like that's how he gets the rush. So it's like the tryhards are all using weird kits. And then it's like Timmy's or it's been like it hasn't been as much as, of course, Twitter or Reddit want you to believe. But the cheaters that I've run into are, are like way more blatant. Like, like, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, I, it was like my second raid the other night and I spawned right at 
crack house like you know how there's that spawn where you're literally like almost inside crack house on customs that you just like spawn in and you look at it and you're like oh let me walk in here you're like by the bus the bus station by the like in the parking lot on the yeah. corner of the building kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah you just like spawn right there i spawned right there i ran inside i looted like a jacket and then I heard somebody running from Fortress. They spawned old gas and they ran right across. I heard him full sprinting. I heard him stop. He shot at me 10 times through the wall. And I was like, maybe he saw a scav or something like that. And I literally like, I was like, I think he's over there. And I peeked my head up in the glass and I just, boom, I was just gone. Like literally as soon as a part of me was in a place that he could pen, I was he was standing completely in the middle of the open, no cover. I was like... Like it's so blatant. Like it's only been but few and far between, but it, it it wasn't blatant because you made noise. You went to a common yeah, right. spot. You, did, you like there's so many reasons why the thing could have been legit was was reasonable, dude. I would have done that. Yeah, I would have known that you were gonna peek there because I I could have heard you and I would have seen you and maybe the wall didn't show up. And yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe the footstep noises were glitched. Maybe he was desynced and he was right behind you. But, you know, you looked out. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So, like, so it's been it's been weird because it's because, like, the stereotype is almost the not stereotype anymore. Like, I feel like I don't run into too many just, like, Slick Alton meta HK chads. It's like those guys either left or they're playing labs and everybody's just running weird it's just like weirdo central in Tarkov right now, man. But it's I, think, I just think that people. I mean, that's it goes in line with the idea that um, I think something that you said last week, which was Tarkov is dead. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been saying that a lot lately. But um, no, but just like people are people are bored. Yeah. So they're either playing other games or they're just doing weird shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, 100%. or they're just. Or they're just normal casual players who haven't played enough to be bored, so they're just playing normally, yeah, like we all did for the first you know like year we played the game. And it's crazy because uh, like, like there's no doubt in my mind that like this is a low point for like Tarkov as far as like concurrent player base. Like probably like if I had to guess, this is probably the lowest we've been since like pre drops, like pre you know point twelve, and then a few months later we got drops. But like, if you just take five seconds to like think about it, it kind of makes sense. Like, what I tell people this all the time. Like, every time we wipe, when we don't like really and truly need a wipe, the the perceived wipe gets shorter. Like, you know what I mean? If if your first wipe, you could go, you know, eight months and still want to do more. Your second wipe at like the six month mark, you're like, oh, I'm kind of done. At your sixth wipe, a month and a half in, you're like, I kind of did everything. At your ninth wipe. Three weeks in, you're like, yeah, nothing. Like, so every time that happens, and people underestimate that because every time we wipe, it people get more and more dissatisfied earlier on. And secondly, there's been more happening in gaming timed up with this like low point than than in the past. Like, I was talking to somebody and I was like, in the past, like for, for the past like a year and a half, if we were ever at a low point in Tarkov, like towards the end of a wipe or mid wipe. Like, the only other really thing to do was, like, go play Apex or go play Warzone if you wanted to stick into the shooter genre. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But now it's, like, there's, like, Halo test flights every other weekend. There was the Battlefield beta. Battlefield is coming out. This, the Cycle game came out. 
um, New World came out, which MMORPGs, and then on top of that, all the other niche like games that people like to play, you know, your Valheims, your Zero Hours, your this, your that. So I feel like we've had, there's so much more happening this fall in gaming and specifically like first person shooter gaming. And then on top of that, specifically games that at least in some way are aiming at the Tarkov audience, but people are like, oh, Tarkov's dead. You know what I mean? And it's like, this is kind of a good thing. It's good to have more options when you're dissatisfied with the game. Like you, that you can't measure the health of a game by like, how many players begrudgingly play when they're not having fun? <laughs> like if that yeah. number is high, that's not necessarily a good thing. So it's been so weird. It's been super weird, but yeah, I, I have, uh, been totally staying away from, from Tarky land. I, I played for a while. And even though I had some like good raids, I was just like, I just don't, I just don't feel like it. Yeah. I just don't care. Actually, um, Desmond had uh, had let me borrow um, some Labs key cards because he's like, I'm not going to be playing, you know, yeah. for for a while. And uh, I got these key cards, and I was running Labs, and he's like, I wonder what the loot because you know we, we talked about over the last yep. few weeks the different loot changes that they've made, and he's like, I wonder what red, you know, what red and what violet and all these other rooms are like. I'm like, oh, I don't know. So he uh, he let me have the cards, and like you would think that that would like I'd be energized to, like, like rekindle that, yeah. And it, even, well, the, the first day I did it, I died to cheaters, like, instantly. Like, mm. I I played for, like, three hours, and I couldn't even, I didn't even make it into the room outside of Red Room. Like, I didn't make it oh. to that doorway once. Um, but then uh, a couple days later, uh, the one day I played for, like, two or three hours in the last, like, ten days, um, I literally, all the raids were dead. I was going, and I was looting yellow, violet red like wet the the office like everything mm -hmm. and i was making bank and i did like three raids and i'm like i'm just gonna play another game like yeah i just you know and i just <laughs> it does it does nothing for me yeah. if i uh, there's now i'm at the point where you know and if I, if I take a while if i take a long enough break that'll go away but but i just feel like there's only negative emotions there's no yeah. positive if yeah. i have a good raid it's like so what you know it's like, like I got neutral to negative is the range yeah exactly yeah like best case scenario i just do a raid and it's a normal raid and then it's like i feel like what, what did i do like yeah i i didn't make any fucking progress towards anything you know like i'm yep um and i don't care about money yeah, and I don't care about gear, so it really is. I'm only opening every time I play. I'm only opening myself to getting annoyed by cheaters, and by desync, and by the community. You know, yeah. whatever. Um, so yeah, it's it's been nice with like three percent of my normal viewership playing Magic has been. Yeah. Like, I actually commented on uh, Deadly Slob had a tweet the other day that was like, "This is the longest I've been without oh, playing." Oh yeah, Carpool. he said like ten days or something. Um, and I was like, yeah, man, I feel you. It's, it's, you know, been about that for me. And I'm like, looking back at these last 10 days have been literally nothing but good vibes. Yep. Like other than just like, you know, the little creeping stress around like, you know, uh, you know, if I'm not playing Tarkov, am I, you know, yeah, just like the whole Tarkov is dead. Like, is my channel dead? Like, I'm, I'm not really worried about that. I don't really care. Um, 
I do care, but yeah, you know, I'm I'm not worried about it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been nothing but like good shit. Actually, this is getting slightly personal, but I but I feel like it's kind <laughs> of telling. I started talking with um you know a therapist months ago mm. uh to try to get like my fucking mental you know in in check because yeah. I was you know just dealing with with the different struggles of streaming and the frustrations with the game and then you know the community being toxic and then the ambiguity over whether people are being annoying and stupid and toxic on purpose yes like to troll you yeah. or they're just annoying and stupid and you know <laughs> and they don't know it toxic, but they you know but they mean well um and it's actually been one of the things i've been talking with uh, my therapist she's her, her name's asma she's super fucking cool um and i think she might actually be i don't know if she's from belarus or from russia but uh, oh really just, <laughs> i talk about like tarkov and stuff and she just like grins whenever i'm talking about like russian developers and blah 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 but um she uh so what we were doing was basically saying like you know how how did this week go and it was like oh you know the games were rough and i was getting frustrated and they were trolls and whatever and we're just trying to figure out like how best to deal with all that stuff and the literally the last two or three appointments i've had with her i've been like everything's fucking great like i can't, there's nothing and and she's like well that's great we're making progress and it's like well i mean i kind of kind of <laughs> i'm just not playing i'm not playing the i'm not doing the thing that triggers all these negative emotions yep so there's no negative emotion so it's like am i making progress i don't, <laughs> I don't know so, i mean yeah, yeah. Really, really weird uh but bittersweet it's, yeah say. yeah but it's good because it is weird like you know what i mean like no matter how much you know in your head that like like you were saying those thoughts of like oh man like i haven't played tarkov in a while my my numbers are low like as much as you can know in your head like okay like long term it's better for me to be doing something i enjoy it's better for my mental health and actually probably better for my stream and my brand and this that and the other yeah. and then when i come back to tarkov it's going to be i'm going to be so much more fresh but like no matter how much you know that in your head there's still the the like the fear like you know what i mean the the just the the frustrations because like you work so hard building it so there's i feel like there's always that but it's yeah it's good to it's good to just have have the good vibes like you know what i mean like i've been i've been playing a lot of the cycle and yeah a lot of like it's 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 a lot of questions but it's questions are framed so differently you know what i mean like people don't come in and be like do you think that this game is dead and that every single other person you find is a cheater it's like oh what's that and i'm like oh i don't know you know what i mean like i'm still talking to champs still answering the same questions over and over again what's this game what's this game but it's a whole different mental field than when you play tarkov what those questions are and how they're framed and what like position people are when they come into chat it's if it, tarkov feels so loaded everything feels loaded it's a loaded question it's a loaded statement it's a everything and i'm like every response is like do I, how far how deep down this rabbit hole do i want to go you know what i mean do i just want to like ignore this do i just want to meme on them and move on or do i want to try and educate them is it worth trying to educate them and those all those questions happen with almost like every other chat and you're just like it's it's mentally exhausting even if you ignore everybody even if you just like ignore all that it's still you're going through all of that shit in your head you're like i have to deflect this and change this and ignore this and do whatever and i mean Welcome to welcome to all my therapy sessions. Yeah, yeah. You just do this, and I'm like, I could, but then you know, but then more people ask the question, and then if I don't answer the question, people think I'm dodging the question, then they'll send me emails, and then if you know, if then if I go to talk about it and vent about it, well, then more people will come in, and then other people will, and it's like, 
She's like, wow, it really just it seems like you're in this terrible, like, black <laughs> hole, vicious cycle whirlpool of shit that really sucks. Yeah, uh, that's it. That's the one. Yeah, what you just said. That's the... <laughs> I'm like, yep. Mm -hmm. yep. And, and if I don't play Tarkov, it's weird how it's like I'm I, I'm in a much better mood when I'm playing Magic. So that when someone comes in and says, "Wow, you know, you've got 84 viewers. Yeah, here you had, you know, 600 or whatever. Your fucking channel's dying, and I'm so glad it couldn't have happened to a shittier person. You know, go fuck yourself. If I'm like playing Magic, I'm in a good mood. I'm like, it literally doesn't affect me at all. Yeah. If I'm playing Tarkov. And I get fucked over by the game and by cheaters and my net code. And then I'm, I'm like explaining about, you know, whatever. And then I get, um, so I'm, I'm frustrated. Yeah. And then people are like, um, gaslighting me, basically saying like, I wasn't a cheater, dude. He just knew, you know, yeah. whatever. It's annoying enough. And then someone comes in and says, your fucking channel's dying. That's what I'm like. You're a fucking piece of shit. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, yep. you're down. Yep. But it's like, 100%. that only happens when I'm playing Tarkov. So. It's yeah, it's been nice. It's been nice. Um, but so you were saying that you were, um, playing a bit of uh, the cycle. I played it for Bro. one day. Yeah. So like I, I mean, you, I sent you like a wall of Discord messages when I found out about this game because I was like, like I'm, I hadn't played it yet at that point, but I was like watching Landmark and Summit play it, and I was like hearing the questions that they were being asked about the game, and I was like, I was like, a lot of people are saying you know Tarkov in space. I was like, this is like, I, I was like, I think the developers of this game watched the podcast and they, they wanted to make a game based on me and Veritas's front porch old man rants and raves. I was like, I was like, dude, on this last episode of the podcast, we were talking about how on the last like two episodes, I think we brought up how fundamentally different Tarkov would play if they stitched a few of the maps together, made the raids really long, and you were infilling and exfilling all the time. You know what I mean? We, we, we were going on the rant about how, like, predictability is the number one Tarkov experience killer, and everything is predictable. Where uh, your enemies spawn, where they're going to go for the loot, if the loot is going to be there or not, and then where they're going to go once they have the loot to extract. Yep. And so, like, I'm hearing about this game, and everybody's like, okay, Space Tarkov. All right, well, okay, let me let me hang out in the chat. And I was like, and it's like, yeah, okay, so you go in with a loadout. You can insure it if you want. You've got quests based on three different traders and three different factions, and you level them up by selling stuff to them and buying them stuff from them and doing quests for them. You, you lose everything upon death. I was like, okay, yeah, I like this game loop. And then it's like, yeah, oh, and the map is huge. The instances are six hours long, and the 20 players are constantly infilling and exfilling. And I was like, Sh I was like, shut up. You know what I mean? I was like, shut up. I was like, this is incredible. And I was like, because they're in this high fantasy landscape where there's like monsters and you know what I mean, whatever, it, they escape the realism the re-realism right like you know what i mean and then because of that beholden yes, to because of that they can balance and tinker however they want and nobody cares you know what i mean i'm picking up you know the spine of a monster i picked up or some fiber galactic space needles like it you know that the alien spine is not four kilograms it's yeah, not real yeah it's so it's like such a they're just not beholden to that now i will say like that is also fundamentally why it's not going to be the Tarkov killer. Cause that's the number one thing. Like if man, the, the, like 
the circle of thought around when you play a new game. Like, you know, we went through this with Hazard Zone. It was like the Battlefield thing, which nobody's played yet, but it's been like, oh, this is supposed to be, you know, X game, but like Tarkov. And then it's like, well, how is it like Tarkov? Oh, well, it might be like Tarkov in these different ways. Oh, well, is it fun? Yeah, it's pretty fun. Oh, so it's going to kill Tarkov? You know what I mean? Everybody's like, at first, they're hesitant to call it a Tarkov thing. And then they're like, why? And this, oh, this is kind of why it's like Tarkov. And then it's like, well, are you having fun? If yes, on the flow chart, it's like, if you're having fun playing a game that's like Tarkov, well, then Tarkov is dead. Like, thank God for some competition. Like, Tarkov is freaking toast. Nikita's shaking in his boots. And you're like, dude, calm down. Because you can boil the Tarkov experience down to two things the the gameplay loop of risking everything you have and the like industry leading gunplay and realism mechanics right like the modeling the gunplay the modularity of the guns like those two things together are what make tarkov tarkov you know what i mean obviously assuming that we have a perfect netcode and perfect audio but like it's those things together so this this game very predominantly just is like well we're just going to take this vertical slice of it and make a fun game there but man, it it is it's crazy how many of the things you and I talk about that we wish was we wish Tarkov would do this game has. Oh, and there's no flea market. So that's why I was like, it's like pre-flea Tarkov, but better. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Oh my because, god. I mean, there's there's a few different aspects of it too. Um so there's no, you know, flea market. I don't know if they're planning on it or whatever. Yeah. Um the only reason why they would ever be like, we're not planning on it is is to like respond to people from Tarkov community being like worried about it. Yeah. You know, otherwise well, I I don't think we'll know until uh, you know, they either answer that question directly or not. But I mean you can you can buy a whole bunch of stuff and craft a whole bunch of stuff. Yep. It seems like there's enough resources, you know, like I played for maybe two hours, but even then I went to like look at the initial crafts because i did like two or three quests yeah you know what you have to do is there's like what three factions then you kind of level them up as you do quests yep. and they have different kinds of guns and, and whatever i'm sure there's a lot more to it um but it was like let me go look at you know whatever the, like the tier two or tier three like guns and armor are and it was like oh you need 11 of these things i don't know what they are six of these other things i've yep. never seen before it's like oh there's a lot of stuff um yeah so it's it seems it seems like there's you know, going to be a fairly robust uh, crafting and yeah. like leveling of of the items in almost a way similar to uh, a lot of like MMOs or even uh, like Fortnite. Um, mm -hmm. How they have, like there's the blue, the green, the purple. Yes. Uh, somebody was talking about that the other day, and I'm like, I had never played any games like that, so I didn't know that. Like, I still don't know off the top of my head like what's better than what. You know, there's yeah. blue, there's there's purple like everybody's like why didn't, why didn't you grab the purple and i'm like i don't know dude. i don't it's know just, is it better <laughs> yeah i don't fucking know yeah. um but um but yeah one of the coolest mechanics though uh that they have is is the the way that they have the insurance mechanic it's so interesting it's so subtly different than tarkov but completely it has completely different ramifications yep. for the game so what you do is before you go into a raid based on the the things you have with you like in your mm -hmm. bag and whatever um you pay a fee to ensure like your life and all of your uh, and the value of 
of the things you took in with you yep. for that raid. So first of all, what that means is there's no insurance fraud mm-hmm. because, um, oh, and, and I don't know if we actually explicitly said, but we're talking about the game. It's called the cycle frontier. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in case we didn't, we didn't say that. Um, so if you go in and you throw your gear on the ground, your gear is not insured. So it, there's no insurance fraud. Yep. It's you're insuring your life for one raid, and it's a, a portion of you know based on the value that you took in. So if you survive then that just means you're out the insurance money and yeah. you have to you you literally have to buy insurance every single raid. Yeah. But it I just oh, I don't know. It just And when you, you, if you die, you basically get paid out a certain amount of money. Like yeah, you don't you don't get any yeah, gear back, but you might pay, you know, 2000 credits to insure this kit and if you die, you'll get, you know, 9000 credits because that which was is a, realism I mean, that's how like yeah, insurance. It's like works. life insurance. Exactly. Like it, it, that is so much of a better way to describe it is like you're not purchasing insurance on your items. You're purchasing life insurance and your next of kin gets a payout if you die. But if you don't die, then you're just out that payment. Yeah. And in this it's case, so like, interesting. In real, life, in real life, you're you're even nobody would say that someone's life is more valuable than someone else's life. Right. But Correct. really your life insurance it it's tied to how much like your net worth is how much you yeah. pay for all those things so i mean it really is a much more realistic um yeah idea which gets around the weird unrealistic aspects that insurance has in tarkov where you know like you're insuring your your gear but the insurance is to get it back if nobody else yeah gets it. like i wonder how how Tarkov would change if, I mean, there's enough, there's different things they could do. Imagine if it wasn't even items. Okay, wait, let's just, let's just make one minor tweak to how Tarkov works and, and, and brainstorm. Mm-hmm. You're insuring your items for their value. Yeah. And when, if you, when you die, you get paid, you get paid back always some fraction of that value. Mm-hmm. Only if you die. Yeah. How does that change? I mean, you're not going to insurance fraud things. Yep, correct. Which gets around the whole thing of like you always taking shitty gear because you like want to be able to get lucky, kill someone with better stuff so you can upgrade and then get your stuff back. Right. It's almost like yes. it's like when you play poker if you're or blackjack, you win your first hand, you like get your money back from your the initial investment and then you just like put that in your wallet and you're like okay cool now i can't lose money if yes. i'm only yes. with my you know that's kind of how like i think a lot of people approach the insurance in tarkov um which, yeah i mean which that that strategy feels like the best thing to do given the way tarkov is like you know I mean, that's an understandable thing but it feels not necessarily the way tarkov was designed to be right like we you technique talks all the time about like plan, prepare, execute. You know what I mean? Like bring in the loadout that you think is going to be the most efficient for the task that you want to do. Something as small as that actually kind of incentivizes that a little bit more. You can still go in with a budget kit for sure, but you're not going to be insurance frauding that kit. 
And if you bring in your nicer stuff and you die, you're going to get a bigger payout. So there's a little bit less risk there. It kind of like somehow mitigates. We, we talked, I think last week about like the good gear fear and the bad gear fear. Like you should always want to keep your stuff, but you shouldn't, you know, never use your best stuff ever and just let it, you know, rot away in your stash. Like a little bit more incentive to bring that out because it's like, well, I might survive and get stuff. But if I don't, at least I'm getting some sort of kickback from this based on the value of what it was. Dude, imagine if... Holy shit. Okay. Imagine if um, when you... This could totally change. This could change everything. This could change everything. Because I'm just thinking about... Um, I still... I got to like right underneath the threshold for max level fence. You know, the uh, mm -hmm. for the staff karma. Um, so I never got to really see like what fence, elite fence looks like. Um, yeah. Imagine if like when you insured your stuff that was or when you insured you know you insure your life for a raid it's going to be a percentage of whatever the stuff is so if you think about it it's a higher risk but higher reward so if you have top tier stuff it's going to be more expensive let me think about this out loud this actually might even i can't decide if you'd want it to be inverse the inverse or not mm. like brought in the good stuff what that's that's almost like you're a safe driver like you have airbags. <laughs> yeah 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 so it's almost like you pay less for insurance the better stuff you have yeah we've Does talked that about that before we've talked about that i think on the podcast before about how like the whole insurance analogy doesn't really work because because of exactly that it's like you don't want you don't want the guy with a 12% survival rate paying 80k insurance for his rat rig and his you know stock AK because he is technically much more of a risk from the insurance company and you don't want the chads bringing in the high tier stuff and paying next to nothing even though that would be how it works we we were talking about that before it's weird it's 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 weird so yeah i mean does it does it make sense that let's just say you're Let's take gear insurance out of it altogether because it literally doesn't make sense. Let's just say there's life insurance. Yeah. And you get a discount on your life insurance, the better gear you take and the better your survival rate is. So I, and, and again, I'm not saying this is good. I'm just thinking out loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that like when you die, what do you do? You get a payout. Let's just say, I mean, actually, there's a cop. <laughs> So many aspects of it. it, imagine, it imagine when you died, they gave you like a flat ruble value. I'm throwing something out there off the top of my head. Let's just say 50,000 rubles. If you get insurance and you die, they'll pay you 50,000 rubles. Mm -hmm. Let's say it costs you like 30,000. I mean, I guess there's probably some way of like exploiting it. I can't like go through. I can't run through it yeah, in my head. Every sure. single thing. <laughs> being like well that's the worst idea because you then you could exploit it you're, you're probably right yeah. I, I would have to think about it but i mean just something so simple could totally change yes how people play the game because then imagine all of the items that all the items that don't get extracted if all of them go to fence for oh yeah or because then it has nothing to do with insurance oh yeah it, that's just scavengers grabbing whatever shit is laying around so there would be a lot more stuff on a, a max level fence. Some of it could be really good shit, whether it was yeah. insured or not. It doesn't matter. 
That um, that is kind of an interesting, you know, two birds with one stone type of deal. You know what I mean? If we shift, like like you were saying, it's hard to think about out loud, and there's a lot of pieces to it. But just the the high level idea of shifting the thought of insurance away from insuring specific items, but more so insuring your life, incentivizing you to potentially bring out your actual gear and keep it when you bring it out. It also fixes this problem, which is that like the current karma grind is such a letdown at the top. You know what I mean? Like, you know, right now all fences, you know, all the uninsured stuff. And it's like, you know, a half used ALU splint. You know what I mean? It's like the best thing at fence level two. Really? Dude, it's so bad. I mean, do you do you have that? You have no, I have like six rep and i just can't be fucking bothered to i got staff. i got to max karma when they did the event i actually lost it due to a bug i killed up a, a, a player scav shot right over my shoulder with a mosin and i killed him and i lost 2.0 like two i went from 7.8 to 5.8 i had Jeez. i had like room to spare for that exact reason and i lost i don't know what i don't know what the hell happened but i lost all my karma but it's the 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 max level fencing is a joke. I mean, it's literally, it's like the scav security vests, splints, nine mil PST GZH ammo. Like it's, it is a joke. I've never seen, I've never seen a, a proper gun. I haven't seen armor. I haven't seen anything. So I don't know if that's a bug, if that's working as intended, but there is like, I haven't seen anything that a player I mean, that's You're played longer about- than five hours would bring into a raid on that. Like, Remember old school fence when if there was ever anything that was like good, it could it would get bought it would instantly. Get sniped, yeah, now, everybody has access. As far as I know, everybody has access to the same one fence guy, right? So, yeah. the rare case in which like decent armor or guns that are that are insured don't. What is it if they aren't insured? I don't know it. it the, it was confusing. Yeah, I don't know if it's uninsured things, but even if it was uninsured things, it would have to be uninsured things because the insured stuff goes back correct, to you. Correct. Yeah. So it would have to be uninsured, and and you're only gonna insure good shit. So that means all the not no, good shit. Not 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 right now. With the insurance prices the way they are, dude. With the insurance prices the way they are, a lot of people aren't insuring. Uh, slicks. They're not insuring their helmets. They're not insuring like dude, like stuff like backpacks and contacts would be flooded. You would see attack twos and raid backpacks and stuff like that because people. But you oh, don't yeah. see any of it. But so I mean, you have to think about a fence. I, I don't know if there's any sort of discount, but normally, like his stuff is twice as expensive yeah. as it would be on on the flea market. So either there's no reason to buy if any of the good stuff Correct. is there, or if it is, the only reason why you'd want to buy it is if it was cheaper. And in that case, everyone, it, it would be like the flea market before they added, you know, when they had the time. Oh, the time, yeah, yeah. I was like, everybody going to buy one thing. What are the chances? You're just never going to get anything. You're never going to be able to find anything from fence fucking ever. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like. Hmm. There's, there's a couple of tweaks I'm sure that they could do. Like. Uh, yeah, and, and and I'd love to just see them try, right? Once again, it's like do a wipe or put it on the ETS or something or tinker with it. Uh, you know what I mean? I don't know. There's a lot to it. It's complicated, but we've talked, I mean, we've talked about it in the past and yeah, it just feels the whole like, I hate the whole ditch your kit thing. I get it. And I don't ever, 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 ever like. You have to do it because yes. it's one of the only ways to that you can ever almost break even. Exactly. Like, like I, 
I don't do it. And I would most of the time I'd rather not do it and take the loss. Like, you know what I mean? Like a lot of times I'll be running around with an MP7, which, you know, an MP7 can break down. You take the mag out and you fold the stock and it's one by three. And I won't put it in my backpack for space. Like I'm ditching like a slick that I can't take. I just can't do it in my brain. And this isn't a holier than now thing. Like when I watch people or when I'm like with a duo, I'm like, yo, ditch your gun in a bush here. Take this. Like I just like, can't do it. I just, I love this concept of like, no, like this is my gun. I would, I would never throw my gun in a bush. You know what I mean? Like this is my stuff. I'll ditch like armor and stuff like that. But, but anyways, uh, so, and I know, and, and I think that Nikita thinks that same way where it's like, once again, it's the whole like plan execute, you know what I mean? Type deal. So, so I think there's some stuff, but reeling it all the way back, it's, it's one of the very, it's one of a long list of subtle differences that the cycle frontier has that makes you think about Tarkov. Like, you know what I mean? I've had that conversation a lot when I'm playing cycle where I'm like, chat, okay, imagine this, like imagine this whole, like we're spawning into customs and I don't know where anybody else is. And I don't know if the loot has respawned yet. And I don't know if somebody's gotten this loot and I don't know if people are going to be running to extract right now, or they're just spawning in with me. Like, and now that there's a practical example, and it's not just like me ranting and raving on stream after I die, because it's the same thing. It's like you die and no, there's no winning, right? Like if you're frustrated because you're dying because you genuinely want a mechanic in the game to be better, there's like, well, you're just salty. You should have done this instead. And so there's no winning. But now that like we have this game and people are like, yo, what is this? Like, I want to get a key. And I'm like, oh, chat. I was like, imagine this and talk about imagine that it's been it's been cool to like show people like you spawn in and immediately in the cycle, you're just like, all right, where am I? Where do I need to go? Where could people be? I don't know. Like I've spawned in and someone filling. Then you see yes. someone else over there. Like I've it's so dynamic. Yeah, I've gotten I've spawned in and gotten into PVP fights in less than 60 seconds. And I've spawned in and not seen a single other player the my entire raid. I've this is really cool too because like you spawn in on that map and you only have two extractions like only two that you can call in and take and they're normally like relatively close together so they're like on this side of the map I have and I've seen people do this too you see an evac ship just come in and drop in an area you're looting and you're like you and you're like yes you can and you're like yo somebody's extracting here you run up to the heli pop 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 you kill them take their stuff and just hop in the exfil boom you're out you can take anybody else's exfil. So now it's a completely additional dynamic thing where it's like, I didn't even know I was standing in an exfil place until it was coming down and dropping. That alerted me to somebody else being present and I got to kill him and do that. But, but it's not like extract camping because I had no idea it was an extract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even if I knew it was an extract, like even if you could say, um, well, you know, if you play the game long enough, you'd know where the extracts are. That's true, but you would have no idea if this extract, if anyone on the map has this as their extract, if anybody on the map is coming towards here or away from it, it's just one of those, it's like a baked in dynamic event that they didn't have to code. It's just a, yep. a happenstance that the other player that called in this extract was there when I was there and boom, this really cool moment happened. And they didn't have to like code in every third hour of every other raid, you know, make this cool thing happen. It just happens. You know, it's like what we talk about player driven, player driven experiences. You know what I mean? 
Oh, yeah. and there's VoIP, bro. And I've seen, like, I was watching Deadly, and he ran up on, like, a three-man. And he they were like, they didn't even pull out their guns. They're like, we're just mining, bro. And he was like, okay, cool. You know, go have fun. And I See, I haven't tried any of the VoIP yet. I've only gotten involved in, like, two fights. Uh, I, I got to give that a try. Bro, me and Deadly and Bazinga were playing, and we were just steamrolling. And there was this guy. We were shooting at him and stuff like that, and Deadly went for the push. And he just started yelling. He was like, please, please, no, I just need to get out. And Deadly was like, hold, 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 hold. And like me and Baz were just like waiting. And he was like, what do you need, buddy? He was like, drop the backpack. Let me see what you got. And Deadly looked through his backpack, took a few things, gave him some meds because we shot at him. And the three of us just rolled out and he left. And it was like, it was so cool, dude. It was so cool. That's, oh, that's, that's sick. Dude, it was Um, so cool. The, I did, there were two raids that were actually three, three raids that, that were noteworthy. I actually, I really only played three raids. Um, <laughs> the first one was like, I wandered around, um, for a while, like, you know, filled up with a bunch of shit, have no idea what any of it was like metal scraps and alien fucking eyeballs and whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was like, made my way over to an extraction point, And as I was creeping up on the extraction, I heard what sounded like footsteps in the little building. And I'm like, I think someone's here. So now not having a, it was my first raid. Yeah. So I didn't, it didn't make, it wasn't obvious to me that if he was there and he didn't call it in, then he would know that somebody else was coming and calling it yep. in. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, I'm like, I hear him and my, the ship's coming in. I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. It's like covering up my noise. But instead he was like, he knew, you know, but I thought that was being creepy. I didn't yeah. realize that like he's saying, Hey, I'm extracting here. Um, but my one, so far, my, my one major criticism is how the extraction, just how it works, Mm. because it's basically like the size of a fucking bedroom with like a box in the middle and the ship comes down and like drops. So there's like four doors that open up. It's just like where, and the problem is, is that like it, it, And again, I'm new, so there might be things I didn't notice, but it seemed like there was like an ambiguous timer. Like, I I don't know if there's a countdown, but it's like you kind of don't. The first time I called one in, I didn't make it there and it it flew away. I was like, oh, shit. And I had to call it again. Um, So it's like you kind of need to rush in and then you're sitting there completely in the open. And the problem is, is that if you ever play any shooters, if you have if you're like in a room like that with like basically four pillars whoever the aggressor is the attacker is so much at the advantage because they can run up shoot at you get behind cover and then they they can pop out on the left or pop out on the right like yeah they can and you're just like ah you don't know where they're going to be so you're kind of fucked when you're just sitting there honestly i really wish the way around it would be that you would get in there and hit a button and the doors would shut and you would leave. Yeah. Like I don't want to have to sit there for 10 seconds or 15 seconds while a squad, like you should be able to get the fuck out. Yeah. Um, so I would really, really hope that they would, would modify it that way because yeah. So what happened is we got into a fight and I was like, blah, 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 headshot in the chest headshot. And I'm like, bobbing and weaving on me. He just peeks me and, and I'm dying. I'm like, Yep. My, my body is in the fucking Yeah, X-field. yeah. It is. It gets loaded away. You know, it's like, yeah. come on. It is weird because it's ambiguous on how much time. And yeah, you're just like basically running around the box because, you know, like if somebody comes, I don't know where they're going to come from. So I don't know which way would be cover. And you're just like trying to stay moving. I like the mechanic of like a button you hit. 
because then if you're the first one in your squad, you're still kind of having to wait. You're like, guys, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. You know what I mean? And then you maybe hit the button. It's like three seconds. You know, you get three, two, one. And now it you feel like you have some sort of control over it. I've definitely yep. been left behind by my evac. Yeah, too. Because you're just like, I'm like in my stash and I'm like, oh, I don't think I need this. And it's like, boop. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, so, oh yeah. So I guess there are people are saying there's a bar at the top that like fills up. Oh, I'm really? The bar, you know, when I'm like, oh God. Yeah, no, you know, I didn't even notice that. It, it just sucks because if someone pushes you, there's nothing you can do except try to, you basically have to leave the exfil. Yes. You know, to like fight them if you want to be mobile at all because you have no movement. There's the box in the middle. It's just, it, it really, I, I don't know. Yeah, I see what you're saying. You can, like, get in there and like pull down a fucking box around you or something and make it so that yeah. like you, you know, like, I don't know, just, just something that they could do i think to make it a little bit better um now i will the, a, another thing um oh people say smoke grenades help interesting yeah you know yeah, I, the smoke grenades work never, really well in that game in any fucking game other than counter-strike so the, as soon as i got smoke grenades they were like the first things i discarded because i'm like what the fuck am i gonna use smoke grenades for yeah. like i'm confident enough with running and jumping let alone smoke grenading mm -hmm. in the middle of the fight. you know i don't know even know what the button is so that, that that's that's a good idea actually if you talk toss down a couple of smokes and then just like chill Yep. Uh, you can't prone, right? No, I, I think no. You can't prone. Um. So one of the other things that happened uh, in the second one that I got into was, uh, I was you know wandering around just picking shit up, and then all of a sudden I see like fifty yards in one direction a fucking pod coming down, and I'm like, the thing is, is that it comes down, it slows, it lands, and then there's like a little bit of a cutscene, little animation thing, like it's. So it was enough time for me to run, get an eyesight, and then see the guy just whoop, phase out of the thing. Yeah. And I completely like I hit him with so many bullets and he didn't die, but I can just imagine how much that sucked when you're like, I'm in a raid. Oh, I'm getting shot. Yeah. Like, I almost feel like what they should do is if there was a way to make it so that you couldn't like see the pod coming in. Oh yeah. Like so but you'd see it take off. Yeah. So, so basically what it says is someone just landed. Three seconds ago over there. Yeah. That at least people in without making it so that like you don't want to just go and then open the door up and there's nine guys there with like that yeah. sucks. That's an interesting uh. idea. I will say in like in all of the time that I played, I've never once gotten that where like I spawned and then was immediately taking fire. Like I've spawned in and like saw people and then we engaged them. So I don't know what their like math or logic is around like, you know, this is the radius we won't spawn you around. But that feels like a good idea to like, so it still gives you a cue, a cue so you don't, so you don't then become at the disadvantage because you didn't know somebody just spawned behind you, but it's not giving you this like 10 second lead time head start on that guy. You know what I mean? That's like just kind of popping in and you're like, you've been running to that location. That's a, that's yeah, an interesting idea. If it came in it like, boom, and landed and yeah. then like by the time that registered, they were all like two seconds later, they were, they were able to run and get the cover, you yeah. know, rather a hundred percent. That's a good yeah, idea. It, so that would be, that's a good idea, bro. Tell me, you noticed, I mean, I don't know how, I don't know how many raids you played. It took me a while to really realize this. Like, did you notice we, because we talk about this all the time. Do you, did you notice how little time you spend out of raid? When you, I, if you're, I hit the button and was talking to chat, and all of a sudden it was like cutscene, and I'm in. I'm dude, like, what when the fuck? you 
click deploy like you are in charge of how much time you spend out like if you're if you're in the rhythm of the game you die and you get back to your thing you just hit inventory you drag on gun armor helmet meds ammo when you hit deploy in less than 10 seconds you're in that animation and you just like it's a seven second animation the door opens you're in the rig like and it's because there's no synchronizing with other players it's not even it's not even that. You don't have to wait for anybody because it's just persistent servers. So yep. all they got to do is find a server and they put you in it. Yep, that's it. Now what they have to do is put you in a the queue. They say this guy is also in a queue. This guy's also in a queue. This guy's okay, this guy disconnected. Wait a little bit. Okay, this guy's also in a queue. This guy okay. Now let's start up a server. Let's spin it up. Let's get it up and running. Let's do all that stuff. Okay, let's load everything. Okay, great. Now let's put them all in the thing and synchronize. No, like it doesn't have to do any of those yep. things. So that's another reason why I think it would be so fucking awesome dude if there were you know persistent servers like it's that epic it, you you don't realize how much time is wasted in that like we've talked before about how it's almost kind of nice for streamers because then you like get to vibe with chad or run to the restroom or whatever but like when you're gaming man oh my god like it is just you're just in you're in as soon as you want to be and you're out whenever you want to be and it just feels good yeah, man, I'm I, I'm I'm gonna play it a little bit more. I heard the servers were like down yesterday. I was gonna play. I was playing Magic, and I was gonna play it a little bit later. But I guess yeah. they're having some, so I so I opted not to. Um, I might mess with it some more over the next the next coming days. But um, th that just reminds me of of a one of the more popular comments on the last podcast, um, and then something that I think a lot of people were saying. Um, and I got a lot of DMs on a lot of messages, and I and I still maintain my opinion. I still still stand by what I said, but the whole idea of being able to spawn into the same raid if it was like a persistent oh, server, like yeah. days, and a lot of people were basically just saying, like, a, a lot of the sentiment. None of it was nasty, but it was all like, I usually respect your opinion, but you're way off with this one. You know, that <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I still disagree. Yeah. But um, but I, I just thought it was interesting because almost everybody's almost everybody's main premise was that actually I can read I can pull up because it was one of my more recent notifications. Someone said um, one of if not the single most important aspect of Tarkov is losing your shit when you die. It's gone. You're dead. And I and a lot of people were, were saying yes, yep, mm -hmm, that's it. That's what makes Tarkov Tarkov. And it's like, except that's not the case if you insure your gear yeah. or if you have grenades. Yeah, or like like we were saying before, which is way more reliable than than if you had to go back in, risk more, and earn your shit back. Yeah. And you can get into the same raid as a scav now. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's like it. <laughs> yeah, I. I wasn't even going to bring that up because that's like, oh, well, you can't control it. And it's a fluke. And sure, even ignoring that aspect of it, right? It's like people say that the most important thing is that you die and there's no way to get it back. And it's like, well, then why is it that most people, when they insure their stuff or they, I mean, historically speaking, I know insurance is expensive now, but like, yeah, historically speaking, when you die, there's a chance you lose your things, and if you have a team, there's a much smaller chance. If if you're in a four man, you if you die, getting your stuff back is infinitely more likely 
to happen than if you yeah. were in a four-man or a solo and you die and then you have to get loaded out again, load back into the raid, get back there, have the stuff not have been looted and then loot it or kill the guy and grab it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. actually, it's actually, to me, seems more hardcore and more badass yeah. if you're able to go back in and get the shit that you lost and earn it back. Yep. Earn it when your teammates grab it and bring it in a backpack or if your teammates grab it and throw it in a bush or if you throw it in a bush or if they took it but then they died to scabs on the way out yes. so that yeah back in so like i don't know i just don't buy i just don't buy that i think it's way more it would be way more quote-unquote tarkov and i think when people say tarkov they think like the badass survival jason Bourne, hardcore fucking whatever you know what i mean that's yeah. like if you earn your shit go back in and get it if you're able to fucking kill them and survive yeah. and if you die then you lose double your things you just double down and you lost again yes try to go back in again but the chances every single time you're going back in you're risking again more your time and whatever stuff you're taking in and the chances are diminishing every single time you go in they're more likely to have grabbed your stuff and left yep which is not the case with your teammates and with insurance yeah so i don't know i still maintain I, I don't know if you have a different opinion or whatever but i still maintain that like it might not be it might be something yeah. But it's not, not Tarkov, in yes. my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, if yeah, I, I see what you're saying, where if there's a reason against it, it has to make sense throughout the game we experience now, right? Like, you know what I mean? It's, you, we, can't, we can't apply logic that we don't apply to other areas of the game to this idea specifically, and I totally get that. And I agree. Like, I think it's more, like, it's it, what the problem is, like, every idea goes down the rabbit hole of other ideas because like that the idea of being able to go in and get it back and earning it back makes more sense if insurance was changed around a little bit you know what i mean because because then it made it like it, yeah like you can just it, it's like an explosion of thoughts but that without like those two ideas work very synergistically if you're if your insurance was less about this specific gear and the thing then then you're Friends can't just ditch it in a bush, and then it's like, well, if they, you know, if if your foreman killed another foreman, but you happen to die, your friends are like, I kind of don't want to carry all your stuff out. There's loot here, so now there's another thing, and you have to risk it. And then the other thing, the other thing that I think we didn't talk about enough to dissuade some of the fears of other people is like, based on your idea, how likely it is you'd get that stuff back. Like, so like, so in your idea, are you talking about? Like I have picked this one server and every time I queue back in, I'm guaranteed to be in the raid where I died. Or are you saying it's kind of like Tarkov now where it's like there are persist persistent servers. So there are less total servers, but you, when you queue back in, you're still not even a hundred percent positive. You're getting back in. Um, I mean, you could do it either way. Yeah. Yeah. Way, but imagine if it was like Daisy where there's a big list and you, you choose yeah, it, you, you know. pick a server. Yeah. Let's just say you picked one. Let's say you knew it was going to be the same one. Let's say there's a 1v1 fight. Yeah. You kill me. By the Before I get back to my stash, your backpack is full and you're running away. So, like, what are the chances that I'm going to be able to get back to my stash after a fucking loading screen, get all my shit together, get back into the raid? I'm going to, if it's on customs, let's say we fought, let's say I spawned in 
by boilers, and we fought um, yeah. in dorms. My next spawn might be Big Red. Exactly. What are, I mean, now, maybe if that guy's going towards Big Red, maybe you'll be able to, like, cut him off, but you don't know where his exfil is. Exactly. No, so... It, I, I, I don't know. Like, that's the thing as well, is that like, at least when I think about this idea of this whole, like the persistent servers, like I feel like the current maps are too small to do those persistent servers. So in my head, I'm either thinking like a final one day open world Tarkov, or I'm thinking we at least stitch a few of them together. You know what I mean? If it was like customs factory and shoreline and then woods interchange and reserve and streets, if those were like the three maps you could play, even yeah. then... You have to remember, like, because somebody somebody in the chat says something about, like, that would lead to a lot of extract camping. And I understand why you think that, because in current Tarkov, like we said, as soon as you spawn, you pretty much know, like, if I ran into this side of dorms and I saw somebody running towards me from this side of dorms, I know he has to extract back here. So then if I spawned back into that raid and I got the big red spawn, I would just wait by big red because I'm like, aha, he's going to have to extract here. But if you're playing custom shoreline and factory all merged into one map and the server six hours long, you have no idea where that guy spawned. So if you spawn boiler and you got into a fight at resort, you're like, okay, this is the quickest path to get there, but I don't know where he came from. I don't know what direction he's going to be going. I don't know if he's going to be sticking around to loot resort after he loots me. I don't know if he actually already looted resort because as soon as I got to resort, I got into this fight. So that like... I feel like we have to bring it back to the core of the idea. It's like what what we're talking about isn't just like I want to play the current game we have and just get back into my same raid and get my stuff back all the time. Yeah. That's not the idea. Nothing else. Exactly. You have to what we're talking about. And maybe we don't bring it back to the 10,000 foot view enough. But like what we're talking about here is a dream. We're not even saying be just do this. We're talking about a dream of Tarkov that feels like what Tarkov's supposed to be because of these things. If we make the maps bigger, if we eliminate a lot of the predictability, if we do stuff of this, a lot of stuff like this, then this whole like getting back into the same raid, like if people are getting hung up on that, it's like, man, those concerns, like I maybe, maybe they shouldn't do it. Like you said, maybe there's a reason out there, but the concerns that are being presented like aren't, aren't it. You know what I mean? It's like, you got to think bigger. You know what I mean? These maps would be big. You would have no idea. There'd be so much unpredictability, but it would create exactly like the, uh, the extract thing I was talking about in, um, a cycle. It would create a player driven quote unquote dynamic event because imagine the, you know, like how cool is it right now? The one in a 500 scav raid where you get into your own. Like, even if you weren't trying, you're just like, I'm going to do scav raid. You're like, this is my stuff. Like that's such a it's gone except for like your armor or whatever. Yes. And so like what you're not, what you're not doing is what people are afraid that you're doing, which is like creating this endless rotation of, well, I'll just spawn in and go back and kill you while you're looting my stuff. And then he'll just spawn in and kill me while I'm looting his stuff. But what you're doing is you're creating this like crazy, crazy potential moments where like you might, you might've gotten into that fight at resort. And then you spawn back in and you spawned in on customs. You were like, ah, oh, this is way too far to run. I'm not even going to go. So then you move into factory and you meet him there and you kill him. And you're like, he had my stuff. Like that would just be so cool. Yeah. But it wouldn't like, I, no it would happen so less often. Dude. Yeah. 
Yeah, it would what? happen so left, less often than people think. It would just be like this cool player-driven dynamic event. You know what I mean? Like, and and the whole idea with um, the reason the reason why spawns and exfils are the way they are now is because raids are the way they are now. So yes. If it was a persistent three or four hour, you know, five hour server or whatever, there's no reason why if you spawned boiler side that your exfil wouldn't be boiler side. Yeah. Like you, you run to fucking dorms and then you run back. Like th that's, it's not unrealistic that the helipad you could dropped off at is the one you're going to get picked up at. Right. But like, so there's no reason why exfils and infills can just be anywhere and then completely eliminates yeah. the whole idea of camping, which again is never a fucking problem. And anybody that brings it up is, has almost always been wrong pretty much historically ever always. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it just just think it's like something worth thinking about that whenever sure. we bring up these ideas that that first of all we're just brainstorming. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that we're just improvising here off the cuff. This isn't like a video where we're fucking prepare all these ideas and think them through. Yeah, we have like, like four bullet point lists in a fucking Google Doc when we start these things, and we just riff for two hours. A hundred percent. Forgive us if sometimes you know our shit isn't always. Fully, completely thought through when we do these, uh, yeah. you know, thought experiments. Um, but also keep in mind, too, that, like, you can't assume any any other thing is true. Okay, well, if we want to make this change to Tarkov, well, it wouldn't work because of this other thing. Okay, well, the thing is, is that, like, when you're brainstorming, if I were to say, oh, it doesn't work because of this other thing. Okay, well, then can we tweak this other thing to make it make exactly. more sense? Exactly. What happens when we have these conversations is when we start with a good idea and, you know, people would point to A, B, and C and say it can't work because of A, B, and C. When we think about it and we think about how we can tweak A, B, and C, almost always A, B, and C would end up being improved. Better, yep. It'd be more realistic and better for gameplay and better for all those things if we made the change and tweaked A, B, and C. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And extracts is a perfect example of that, where we've talked a million times about like how simple it would be to eliminate any extract camping that does happen, even though it probably happens less than people think. It's just like add more extracts, right? Because then it's infinitely harder to extract camp. And it's the same thing. It's like, oh, man, if we're talking about like this open world instance based Tarkov, like, oh, man, that could be so cool. Yeah, but then everybody would be extract camping. It's like, well, if we make this change, the extracts don't have to be so dumb. The extracts could be infinitely more like random and and dynamic. And then now it's a better mechanic for extracting on top of a cooler mechanic for Tarkov. You know what I mean? And, you know, better and cooler or can be subjective, but but exactly that everybody like. It's, it's once again, it's this weird thing where everybody's like, Tarkov sucks. It's in such a terrible state. Like, BSG suck. They just whatever. And then it's like, anytime we're like, yeah, like, but this could make it better. And it's like, well, then they people would just do this. It's like, yeah, but then maybe we could change that. Like, it, I know it's a, it feels like a, all the dominoes falling, but it's, I don't know. Yeah, we're just riffing. We're just theory crafting. And it's, I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, man, it, it definitely like what? Yeah. And that's the thing is that like, like we were saying before, the cycle is a great game and I'm really excited for them to like, you know, pull the beta down, work on the game and release it. 
But fundamentally for me, it just made me more excited about Tarkov's potential, right? Like it wasn't like, oh, this is going to be my main game forever. Because like we said, Tarkov isn't just a risk your loot and die type of game. Like there's other aspects to it. These, you know, this, the map design and the gun handling and the way that everything fits together. And it just makes me excited for the potential. And I like, man, I'd love to, I'd love to sit down with Nikita and, and, and hear his thoughts on that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I know, I know that's probably like, even like offline, because I know that's probably the last thing he would ever want to talk about publicly. You know what I mean? Because like, who knows how long it would be, but I would just love Mm -hmm. to hear his thoughts on like how he envisions a more open world Tarkov. I mean, I feel like he said that. I feel like he mentioned it relatively recently that that's still the plan. You know what I mean? I, I th- he said in so many words, like, well, not in so many words. I'm pretty sure he did say, like, or answered directly to the question of, like, yes, like DayZ. Yeah. So, like, like similar to that with longer, persistent. Yeah. Sorry, now, again, there's a million things that it's like, what does that mean? Exactly. Like, How does loot respawn? Yeah, is there, there's a million a million issues there um but fundamentally you and me would rather work through the issues and arrive at a better tarkov than just complain about every single thing that this change would then change like you know what i mean that it's it's such a different stance on it you know what i mean and you can you can tell by how somebody phrases the question you know what i mean when you like well this would be really cool when it's well then x would happen it's so different than like, mm, I wonder how that would affect this. You know what I mean? And so it's, I don't know. I don't know. But another thing, the last thing on, on the cycle is like, it's cool to see, like I've been calling it like the Summit 1G effect. Like I nor anybody I know had even heard about this game. And then like Summit was playing it because they, they just lifted their NDA. They had been... uh uh, closed testing the game, I guess, for a while. And they lifted the NDA like maybe two weeks ago or three weeks ago. And then uh, like a week ago, a few nights ago, Summit was playing. He played like two or three days in a row uh, on stream to like 30,000 people. And then, then, you know, and then it all spreads out the next day, Landmark, Pestily, you know, uh, you know, XQC played it for a little bit and it just trickled down. And, uh, and for the past like four nights, they've had to, they've had server outages for like ever because they, they just were overwhelmed by the support. So it's kind of cool to see that it's cool to like, see them blow up and do so well because they have, um, uh, because they have, um, because they've had such good reception and it's cool to see that. I know a lot of people are really frustrated because they're trying to get in, but it's the same thing that happened with drops where, you know, they couldn't have expected this response and it would have been irresponsible for them to like set up this many servers when nobody had heard about their game. You know what I mean? So it's kind of cool to see, to see them do as well. And I, I really hope they do well. I think the, I think the beta ends on November 1st and uh, some of the devs were in deadly Slob's chat and in geeks chat. And they were saying that they're, they're going to have to, cause the question was posed to them. Like the response has been so good. Would you consider like a Tarkov style open development? Like keep it open. Let us keep playing it. And they were like, no, <laughs> like we have to shut it down. And I was like, good. I was like, good. Do your thing, man. Do whatever you think you need to do for the game. Of course, I'd love to keep playing it, but like do what you think you need to do. So that's kind of cool. 
Interesting. Um, I completely forgot until just now. I I got an email. Uh, there's like embargo stuff, and I I, I don't I, I I won't say anything other than Have you heard about the game Riders Republic? Uh, I feel like I've heard that name, but I have no idea what the game is about. Um, so just going off of if you just Google Riders Republic, mm-hmm. upcoming sports video game developed by Ubisoft. Um. Mm. Uh, let me see if I can get like an actual description. Um, it looks like it's like an extreme sports game. So almost think about um, almost like an open world. Fuck. How do you even describe it? Um, you know, like GTA Online, you can just drive around, you can ride motorcycles around, you can fly planes or whatever, mm-hmm. right? And there's like persistent world. Well, this game is is it looks like it's like that, but it's but it's like mix that with SSX Tricky <laughs> and Tony Hawk. Yo, that's kind of dope. Does it? Are you looking at it at all? Can yeah, I have it. Yeah, I have it up. It's like you see a million people. They're they're like. BMX biking down mountains while like other like uh fucking wingsuiters are flying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People with like jetpacks are going by him, and then there's other dudes with like these racing bicycles going down like, and there's all this snowboarders. I mean, like all this shit. It looks gnarly. Um, and I have access. Oh, do you really? Yeah, I might play. I, I mean, I could play it today. I think I'm probably gonna wait tomorrow. Oh, and I think I'm going to have Twitch drops. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. 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 Tomorrow. Okay, so nobody nobody who's listening to this now, not live, will be able to do anything other than maybe go to my VOD and watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, oh, it looks like Traw Week is an NDA-free phase open to all players. There's no embargo for capturing or streaming. Con- oh, hell yeah. Okay, sick. So it just looks cool because like I loved Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Yeah, on yeah, yeah. I loved, uh, you know, SSX Tricky back in the day. Um, I, there's so, so many aspects of this. It looks like it might be sick. Um, and also because like I do indoor skydiving. So oh, I, yeah. I want the, uh, some of the, the wingsuit mechanics and see how, you know, how cool they are. Um, I don't know. It, it'll be something fun to try out. That'll be new. That it was completely off of my radar. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, it looks pretty fucking rad. That's dope. That's dope. Got all about that. Um, but yeah, so you've been playing. Have you been playing anything other than the cycle? I've been playing the old Magic the, the Gathering. Old Magic the Gathering. Uh, I mean, cycle. We did some. Uh, obviously, we've been doing some New World. Although with the move and everything. Oh yeah, hold on. What the fuck am I looking at? Yeah, I don't know. This doesn't look... No, that's not... You didn't find that in game. Oh, he didn't find it in game. Correct. Oh, shit. Sorry, Jesse. I, I Every time I open up the browser, it cuts off your window. Weird. Um... Okay, yeah. Sorry for the distraction. It's we, yeah. they found something in uh, 
in the game and I was like screenshot it and then it looks like it was in the game files. I'm yeah, pretty I, sure it's for fucking ever. Yeah. Um, um, anyways, yeah, so I've been playing a little bit of New World and stuff like that. I've been been trying to get back into Tarkov and, and been playing that more. Uh, a few things that we even had here, like did you see what they posted on their Instagram today? The the dailies Ooh. thing? The Tarkov? No. Dude, they posted some they posted a, a screenshot of like an in-game thing on a build that we don't get and it was in Russian but it uh like you know how you know how, where you want to change your clothes on Ragman you go to Ragman and then it's like all the tabs and he's got services and like nobody else has services or whatever like that mm -hmm. um skier had a, an extra tab and uh so it was all in Russian and it was translated to be like all this stuff but um the the official caption from the escape from Tarkov Instagram account was operational tasks AK AKA daily quests are closer than you think. And then like people translated on the text from the page and it was like two missions from skier and it was like the tab was like daily tasks or whatever like so that was like that's kind of okay, cool. Hate, I, I hate to to be the downer, but let, let's think about this because everybody's been saying, not everybody, but I've heard 8 billion times. Yeah. Tarkov needs daily quests as if that's like the solution. No. Everything. But it's like, yeah, correct. That is not the solution. Quests. I, I still don't. At least for me. Mm -hmm. But for what? Yeah. I'm going to go and get some more money that I don't need and you know maybe some XP that I don't really care about. Yeah. So yeah, I guess I just like I've always sort of been like cool. Like I don't think that they shouldn't do it. Yeah. I just don't see how it's not just you know how like the wipe is like Correct. You know, we wipe and that's to how they fix everything. It's like it's temporary. All this is is almost yeah. like a mini wipe every day where you just have to like imagine if it was get the golden pocket watch and you could do that every day for correct it's like it, it wouldn't it depends so i think i'm reaching here so i wouldn't expect this but in most games the daily quests like in most games that have daily or weekly challenges those are connected to some sort of special currency that can like a only, battle pass not even a battle pass but like i'm thinking like destiny where it was, oh, it was a way to get like the legendary marks, and those marks were used to buy gear from like my faction person. So it's like you didn't have to go get gear from that person. It was like you know what I mean. It wasn't like this weird monetization thing, like a free to play game, where it's like you know you can only do three missions on our free to play game, and, and then you have to wait for the premium. Like it wasn't predatory. It was just like it was in a whole another vein of content that was just around this thing. So if they once again, I'm reaching here because I don't think this is the case, but there's a world in which like skier or like certain traders provide additional gear or a different or additional reasons to do those. And the only way you can gain respect or a sp specific currency or the only way you can do X is by doing these because then it parses it out. It's not grindable. You know, you know, Johnny the Chad can't have 600,000 of that currency when I only have seven because we both have to wait until tomorrow. You know what I mean? So it, it, if you do want that cool thing, that cool gun or whatever, you, you know, it, it pulls that content out. So now 
I think realistically, it's what we've talked about before, where like the community outcry about something, which kind of just like pushes battles like Nikita into being like, yeah, sure, make daily quests. And I don't necessarily think they've thought that far ahead. And it'll probably be like, kill 15 scavs and bring me an SSD. And those will be the two quests a day and you'll get some rubles and a, maybe a moonshine and that'll be it. That's probably what it is. But but I think there's a world in which daily and or weekly quests actually do add to like the value of Tarkov. I don't know if this is that. Yeah, though. yeah we uh, obviously there's a number of things that would have to change, I think. For sure. You know, how, how our response to these things, our criticism is different from... You know, a lot of the ones that we were just talking about earlier, yeah. like in the comments and stuff where it's like, that's cool. They're just going to have to change a bunch of stuff to make it compelling. Because like you say, get access to cool stuff. You, we have access to everything all the Correct. time. Correct. So it's not like they're going to release new shit only available through this thing because. Correct. It'll either suddenly be flooding the fucking flea market or. All they would be doing is saying, oh, all the things that you could you before buy, you know, like you couldn't get the HK now unless you do the. It's like, yeah, okay, well, now what you're doing is just taking shit away yeah. from us and saying, oh, but you can unlock the stuff that you used before by doing these new things. And it's yeah. like, OK, you know, I just uh, I don't I don't know. There's something else there to make it worthwhile. I'm Watch. equally as I am equally as skeptical. I think what's interesting is like. What's interesting is the time frame switchery do that's been going on. So, like, in September, it was like we have four patches, and they didn't say it was going to be one patch every month, but there were conveniently four months left in the year, and they said they had four patches they wanted to push out. They said 12.11.5, which we just got halfway through October, 12.11.6, 12.12, and 12.12.5, and they outlined what those patches were. And 12.12 was... Lighthouse, VoIP, Inertia, Daily Quests. Those were the, those were the key things. 12.12, Lighthouse, VoIP, Inertia, Daily Quests. And then on one of the Russian podcasts or something, Nikita was asked about... We haven't talked about this. <laughs> Nikita was asked about Lighthouse. And he said, he said something to the effect of we might release Lighthouse early, earlier than 12.12. And everybody was like, early? And to me, what that means is that they're going to delay 12.12 till next year, but give us Lighthouse. <laughs> so, like, we thought we were going to get 12.12 around Christmas, and he's like, we might release it early, but that, I'm like, well, that means 12.12 is probably just not happening until February, but we'll get Lighthouse without those other features in December. So he gives us something. But what, what I find is interesting is then we go back to this. Daily quests were on the list of things that were happening in 12.12, so it's just all confusing because he's like, well, yeah, we might separate Lighthouse from 12.12. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe 12.12 is delayed. But it's like, hey, daily quests are sooner than you think. And I'm like, wait, is 12.12 sooner than I think? Or are you separating this as well? Like, it just, when you, when they gave us this, like, outline, here we are on October 21st or 22nd, and it's all falling apart. It's like, wh what, there's not enough time to get three more patches out this year. And is, like, you know what I mean? It's just weird. So... I mean, I mean, that's the problem. That's the risk you run when you try to be if you want to try to be like agile and to be, to be creative. And when you come up with ideas or you think of things, be able to jump on it and act on it and have like the freedom to do that. As soon as you say we're going to do X, Y and Z. Yeah, you have just 
nailed yourself into a box, yeah, you know that you can't change, or you're gonna make people mad. Yeah, you know, so that that just goes to show like the double edged sword around like and you want them to be more fucking yeah. They they can't they can't be more, um, what's the word? Uh, clear. Um, they they could be. They can't be more transparent with us, while also being dynamic and, you know, going. Think about all the things you do that you change your mind halfway through for whatever reason. Yeah. I'm going to go, we're going to go to Target, and then we're going to go to the mall, honey. Okay, great. And then halfway to Target, you're like, oh, I'm going to stop at, you know, Starbucks and get a coffee. Oh, well, if we do that, well, that reminds me, I want to get a coffee mug. And imagine if, you're like, yeah. you can't change once you say you're going to do it. You have all these ideas, and you just can't anymore. You know what I mean? So it's like, so I, then just don't say what you're going to do beforehand. Yeah. What What's hard there is that, like, <laughs> when they give us a timeline and they can't hit that timeline— you know, big air quotes here, but everybody, you know, all the mad people erupt and under promise over deliver. Don't give us timelines. Don't do that. Don't do that. When they go radio silent, the community, I mean, absolutely erupts in the vitriolic. Like you guys don't say they're, they're just taking the money and run. They're just partying over there at BSG central. They haven't put out any content. They put out of this. So, so while I agree with everything you're saying that, you know, that's not just the and I'll be all final answer because the other side of that is they get just as much crap on the other side for not saying anything. My opinion is that almost anything in between the hard left or the hard right is a bad idea because inconsistency is the killer, in my opinion. Yeah. They can be more transparent. Star Citizen is more transparent. And that game's been in development for longer and has more currently in development. Here's the thing, though, is they just go... Every month, like almost every single 30 days, they update the roadmap. And today they go, in this patch, we're going to have these things. And we're working on this. And this is how far we are in this. Boom. No emotion. No like, oh, but Johnny got sick. Here's where we are. A month later, that thing that you were excited for might have been kicked to the other patch. They don't explain it. They don't have to explain it. But we don't go. We don't. They don't give us an outline. And then four months later, we're like all stretched really thin. And we're like, oh, there's only a few weeks left for them to make this deadline. Every month, they're like, nope, this change, nope, this change, nope, this change, nope, this change. And it's it's more transparent, but they don't have to, like, explain or elaborate or defend anything. They just, they're like, this feature got kicked. Yeah. That's it. So, like, I'd like to see, you know, it's, it's either that or they just don't say anything ever and we get what we get ever and they never bend to it. But anything in between breeds inconsistency and then that's frustration to some people and then people defend this, people defend that. So I'm not saying like they should do what Star Citizen does. I'm just saying that there is a reality where they could be more transparent and it not bite them in the butt as much because if they just was like every 30 days, they were like, this is the new roadmap, sorry. You know what I mean? Like period and that was it and it was like at least then every player could choose to just hop in get super informed as to what's happening right now and then decide if they want to hop back out or hop into the game but when they it's exactly what we're doing right now where they're like we want to do these four patches by the end of the year you know 50 percent of the year has gone since then and they've only done one patch so now we're all like can they squeeze the thing and they on their end might be like oh yeah dude 12.12 is already in february you know what i mean and if they just told us that three weeks after that original post and updated us then it's more it's easier um 
really quickly, I, I don't know. I feel like we don't want to go too down a rabbit hole again, but like what we were talking about with the, uh, when we were talking about the dailies and the flea market and stuff like that, that was another, uh, that was another big question, not question. That was another big thing that came up out of the cycle thing was like, like I know of a few streamers that were playing that were like, I was pro flea market in Tarkov until I played cycle. Like people that like even up until just a few weeks ago were like, no, they're not going to get rid of the flea market. They don't need to get rid of the flea market. And then it was like, I know a few people that were like, and then I just played a game without one. And I was just like, maybe we don't need the flea market in Tarkov. So I don't want to go too far down that like they should get rid of it because we know they're not. But it it was an interesting, it, it just brought that up in a lot of people, even people that were pro flea market because you just to just play a game where like, it's so intrinsically loot based. We, we've talked before about how like people see loot in Tarkov as just dollar signs. Like, oh, drop that. That's only 6,000 rubles per slot. You know what I mean? But in this game, it's like, well, I need this for my upgrade. I need this for my quest. I, you know, I can sell this. I can do that. And it's, you're just looking at the loot as the loot. And it's, it's uh, at least in the circle I run in, it's like shaking up a lot of opinions on the whole, the whole flea market thing. And I, I didn't mean, know if playing playing it the little bit kind of got you thinking about that at all. I mean, no, it just reinforces what we've said a million times, which is civilian flea mm -hmm. solves. Yeah, I agree. You know, civilian flea plus, um, if more quests required things like the pocket watch yes. that were like quest specific items, well then you you can use the flea market to buy random trinkets and shit that you need to craft stuff. Mm -hmm. Yes. Or like maybe, you know, maybe some modifications that you might want to use on guns or maybe cosmetic items or maybe, you know, um, maybe medical items or whatever. But if you can't buy guns, ammo, and body armor and quest items... Yep. Then, to me, the flea market still has a ton of value yep. without the major detracting yeah. aspect of it, which is you can just buy your way through quests and or get everything you need all the time with infinite access. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's uh, I completely agree. It it it's refreshing to play a game where I'm looking at the loot differently, but it really did just kind of reinforce that thing where. And once again, like we said, a change that kind of brings other changes. I because I completely agree with that. Like if more quests were less of just not every quest, but if there were more quests for the, the golden zibbo, the pocket the bronze pocket watch, those types of things, it feels like a really just underutilized mechanic. Then the flea market is less relevant for quest items and it's more it more um it more funds the hideout churn of upgrading your hideout and then using those stations in your hideout to craft things. And so you can buy the things off flea market if you want. It's a good way to make money for lower tier players is going and farming those things and then selling them on the flea market. Buying those things on the flea market doesn't e equate an instant access to gear. You know what I mean? If you buy the things you need to craft your BP ammo, you then have to wait three hours for your BP ammo to craft and you're only getting enough from that craft for one raid. So then you have to start it over. So it's like, it slows down the instant access to the things that are craftable. It removes 
the instant access of the things that we really don't want anybody to have instant access to, but it still provides a valuable mechanic to the game and a way to make money. And it just feels like a, yeah, like a win-win there. So I, uh, Amen. I agree. So that was interesting. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I know you, uh, I know you've been playing lots of magic, the gathering. We were talking about that a little bit before you just been vibing uh, with that again. I mean, so I got in and here's the thing, uh, cause you never played magic, right? No. Um, I don't even know. It's been so long since I, since I got into it and I got into it very briefly. Um, I worked with a bunch of just like tech nerds at a software startup company. And during lunch uh, on Fridays, um, all the dudes, all the other software engineers I worked with, uh, they played magic. So what, one of the things they would do is they'd buy it, you know, like one of those booster boxes that had all those packs. Yeah. And we do what's called a sealed draft, which everybody gets three packs, sealed packs from this box. Everybody gets three. And what you do is you, op you open up the pack, you look at all the cards and, you know, there's like always the one like mythic, legendary, rare, whatever. But then there's a whole bunch of cards. And what you do is you figure out you, you take one. And then you pass the deck to your left. Mm. And what you're doing is one by one, pack by pack, you're choosing cards and you are going to have like a little mini tournament with your the people with the deck you build from this limited supply of That's cards. That's cool. Just the perfect, you know, thing. Um, That's really cool. So, so there's like some strategy around like, you know, there's nothing here that's good, but, you know, I notice all of the green cards are getting taken. So that means somebody's probably building a pretty sick deck and this card is be really good. So I'm going to take that, you know, yep. but you also keep the cards afterwards. So sometimes you're just like, I'm not going to play this card, but I, I, but I want it. Yeah. Um, but um, and then whoever wins, you know, usually gets some extra packs from the box and stuff and you do like a, this little mini tournament. But so that's how I got introduced to it. Um, that's cool. Back in during a, a block that was called Shadows over Innistrad uh, in 2016, I think, and I played for like a year, and I got super into it. I mean, I was I was showing uh, I was showing chat um, while I was playing the other day, like all the cards I've That's got. So cool! I literally have like a binders and binders and binders, just like full of cards, and I have some some none none of them are like old, um, but I made some pretty good decks and. The cool thing is that, like, when you're a kid and you play, like, Pokemon or whatever, you know, like, five ninety nine for, like, a pack yeah. is, like, a lot of money. You know, so it's, like, you really, you're, you want to get the one thing that you want, which is, like, a one in a million fucking chance of getting, you're never yeah. going to get it. But, like, when you're an adult, it's, like, I'll just drop $100 and get, like, a hundred fucking things. And you're just, like, you literally open it up, throw all the cards out, look at the the one rare, and you're, like, nah, you know, just ripping <laughs> it, going through. Um I just discovered Magic the Gathering Arena, which is literally like the online digital version. It's identical to the game. Um, it's free to play. There is like you can buy. You you can spend money. Um, yeah, on more packs and stuff. It's just like real magic where it's like you can buy packs. And the more you buy, the obviously the more chance you'll have at getting better stuff. Although the only difference is, is that in real life you can go to a magic store and you can say I need three copies of this card and if they have it you can pay seven dollars for the card so you don't have to buy a hundred packs and hope you get lucky you can just buy the card you can't do that in arena interesting they have a whole wild card system and stuff like that so it's like you open up a bunch of packs and when you get duplicates it just gives you like progress towards getting like just choosing you know oh, oh. So 
you have like you know right now i've got like 10 mythic rare wild cards and like a mythic rare card it it could cost a hundred dollars if it was like super rare but i've got like 10 of them so it's just like if i'm building a deck i've got 10 wild cards that if i can just search for a card click on and be like yeah just make four of these and then it just uses up the wild card so it's it's pretty cool and, and really forgiving um but so you can draft so I, I got back into it i played it for a year didn't play it for five years and then i got back into it and within four days now every six months they come up with like a new set yeah they have new cards new mechanics and there's like there's like a um, standard is like the last five i forget exactly don't quote me on this all the people that know but it's like the last five like sets everything before that you can't use so standard is always like um five to eight sets it looks like someone was saying so you have all these different um the different sets that come out with all these different cards and every like six months or so or whatever they add a whole bunch of new cards and it's like the meta changes completely because you have all these new synergies and yep, all this stuff yep, yep. changing the thing is, is that Magic's been around for fucking 30 years now, so there's a billion cards. Yeah, I was about to say, that's insane. It's like the last, you know, like year and a half's worth of stuff. I don't have to memorize 9 million cards and decks and whatever because I just don't have the interest in any of that stuff. But uh, but I was playing, and I made my own homebrew deck from scratch. I didn't go online and search for, like, the meta, didn't, you know, whatever. I put together a deck that was similar to one, I you know, I used back when I played, and I got... So the the way that the ranks are um is it's like you know bronze, silver, gold, platinum, diamond and then mythic. Okay. But each one of them has four tiers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know plat 4, 3, 2, 1, you know whatever. Um and within 4 days of having not played, I literally got up to mythic and was Jeez. like 95. It's like in like the top like 5 or 10% or whatever the players and I've just been playing and it's like it's just been so fucking satisfying That's so sick. being able to like be competitive yeah. um, in something that, you know, but because it, it's, it all comes down to using your head. I mean, there are people that just have decks that, you know, are you basically hold mouse one and you win kind of thing where it's just like put out all the guys and then punch you in the face with them, but just over and over and over again, there are other decks that they literally will sit there with all the cards in their hand and they'll play their turn and they'll go, it's your turn. And you're like, okay. And you go to put a card down. They're like, nope. And they're like, counter your spell. And you're like, well, fuck. Uh, I'm going to do Nope. Mm. So, like, literally, they don't even do anything on their own turn. So, it's it's just so cool because there's so many different dynamics. Um, you have, there's stages to a turn. Um, mm. There's, like, literally set phases where it's, like, the first thing is... Um, you like untap all all your things so when you tap it's like you're like turn a card sideways if it's on the board um which basically says like you've used it you know and it means certain things for for different uh for different mechanics like if it's a creature it can't block if it's like tapped okay. so like when you have a creature that's on the board like this um that you've like summoned in the past and he goes to attack what happens is he goes to attack but then he gets tapped so then the next when your opponent goes now this guy is not a blocker anymore. Oh, so he he's like vulnerable. Choose to to like, am I going to keep this guy as as a defensive op, uh, you know option, or am I going to keep him? You know, am I going to be offensive with him? Yep. Uh, and there are a million mechanics that make it so that like you can attack without tapping, or you know the people have like death touch, so if it might have like one damage and one health, and there might be a dragon that's like ten damage and ten health, 
death touch basically means like I'm poisoned. If you touch me, you die. So they would actually kill each other if they oh like. Oh my gosh. Um, there's like double strike and lifelink and all kinds of crazy things. But ultimately speaking, you start and I have 20 life and you have 20 life and we have all of our minions and basically my minions and my spells, I'm trying to kill you. And the same way goes for you. Um, but when my minions go to attack you, your minions can block and you get yeah. to choose who blocks and in what order. And there's, there's all these different phases to the turn and there's a million things you could do. There are spells that you can cast instantly um, so you can do things when someone's like, I'm going to cast this spell. You can say, no, I have a counter spell that can prevent you from doing that. So like you have to actually like pay a cost to play a card. And I can say, no, you paid that cost, but that's not going to work. So you can like control what other people are doing, but yeah. now you just you paid a cost to counter their spell. So sometimes they're afraid of a counter spell. So they'll bait out your counter spell with a spell they don't care about. Because the next spell they're going to do, you know, so yeah. there's just, it's so hard to explain, um, but it's so fucking fascinating yeah. and it's so and complex it's, in a fascinating way that makes it fun and interactive and every game is different. Because it's like, it, it feels like as somebody who doesn't play it, it feels like it's, it's almost like, like you think, you, I think about a game like chess, that's like all intellect and, yep. and skill and that's why it's rewarding, right? There's, you know, there's no desync or RNG or anything. It is just like my skill and intellect versus your skill and intellect. And that is obviously very attractive for a lot of reasons. That's why the game is so popular. But then I, what I love about this is it like brings in, it's, it feels like the, the primary mode of winning is that, is it, can you outsmart your opponent? Can you use what you're given? But then you also have this like grindy aspect of like, I do want to get better cards. I want to get a better deck. I want to play this deck differently. Like, you know what I mean? Like imagine chess, you know, if, if each opponent was allowed to take those pieces and reorder them before the game I was started. Gonna say, I was just going to say, imagine if chess was chess, but instead of there being like six different pieces, there was 150 different pieces. Each one of them could do yes. things like hop over they all had different movement mechanics they had different combat mechanics imagine if if when a, a, a the the fucking rook went to kill a pawn if you had to roll the dice and yeah. you know if five or six then you actually get to take two of their pawns you know yeah. or like what but then imagine that you get to choose your little army and, and then what start the chess game and then imagine that when you played almost always it's two out of three so if you mm. know so so you have your decks and you're stuck with your decks, but then you also have a sideboard, which is usually like 10 cards or whatever. So imagine you play them and you're like, oh, he's got the deck that has this like one, two punch like combination. I've got these cards in my sideboard. Let me swap them out and it'll shut their strategy down. So but they can say, oh, they they, they think now I'm gonna they do know swap out and go for a different strategy. So it's it's just so. You are benefit. You're benefited from knowing what possible threats are statistically. What is the likelihood of how many cards they have in their hand versus yeah. how many are in the versus they have this many? You know, there's like 27 different counter spells. Some of them cost one. Some of them cost two. Some of them cost three. Some of them are like you can counter a creature spell. Some of it's counter any spell. Some of it's counter this thing. And so you have to think about like what could they possibly have. What are the chances of it? And then play around all of those different things while thinking so many turns ahead. It's just so satisfying in a yeah. really nerdy way. Um, 
and that's, yeah, I, and that's really cool because it's still predominantly a game about knowing what you have and knowing your enemy like chess you know what i mean like i know my moves i know what i can do and i'm you know like chess and like poker where it, the game is almost just as much about understanding your enemy and what they might do and what strategy they can be doing it's still fundamentally that but it's got this other aspect of like exactly there's more pieces there's more cards there's more mechanics there's you know what cards could he have not everybody has the same cards i got this cool card you know so um and then and then the evolving nature of it where like every six months there's a new pack you know what i mean so I, 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 I've never played, but it, it's very understandable that it's like addicting in that way of like, you just know that you're getting better the more you play and understanding it more and baiting out your opponents more. And that, that Dude, you can. And the part is that even in this digital medium, you can bluff like you have oh. these little emotes that you can say, oops, or nice or whatever. Right. And there are times where like, I'll go to attack with a guy. And sometimes you go to attack and you're like, oh shit, if they have a, a one of the basic fundamental things is like a creature has their 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 health and their attack is two numbers. It's a fraction, right? It's like one slash one. Mm -hmm. One the first number is how much damage they do, and then the second is how much health they have. So if you have a one one and a one one, they hit each other, they both die, because the one damage does you know the, the numerator hits the denominator, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Whereas a one one hits a two two, they're gonna fight, but the one one is gonna die, and the two two will have one life left. It'll basically be two one at that point. Yeah. Um. For you know until the end of the turn. Um. But so there are times when like if you, the guy has a two two and you have a one one, you don't want to attack unless you just want your guy to die for some reason. Um. There might be a reason why. It might you might have a trigger on another card that says when your when a creature that you have dies draw a card. Mm. So now you're generating all these dudes just to sacrifice them so that you're drawing cards. So there's all these different strategies. Um. But sometimes you might attack with a one one. And be like, oh, no, that was a mistake. I wasn't paying attention. Didn't realize that his guy was defending. And I'll go, oops. But I have a card that says, you know, give a plus two, plus two counter to a, 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 a creature, you know, at instant speed. So they'll be like, ah, oh, they fucked up. They'll go to block. And then now my one one, I cast a spell, becomes a three, three. So now they're like, oh, so you can like even bluff That's or, sick. you know, or pretend like you're another deck altogether. Because there are colors. Um that specify like the type of mana, like energy that you have. So like red is usually like goblins and fire and it's like super aggro and mm -hmm. like vampires and, you know, green is like more um, like trees and like large growth, like dinosaurs and things that it's generally like they try to get out a smaller number of big things. Whereas red is like, I'm either hitting you with fireballs yeah. or I'm getting billion tiny goblins that are going to overwhelm the board white is more like middle of the range um i'm a bunch of humans or like spirits and clerics and i'm going to try to like heal but also control but you know whatever yeah. it's it's more like middle of the range blue is all like i'm either going to be like these small evading like spirits that are like flying so that like if you're on the land you can't uh, you can't block a creature that's flying so sometimes you can just mm. have one guy that's constantly getting in for one damage every turn and it's been, they can't block it or it's counter spells. Blue is known for counter spells where it's like, if you want to do anything and you look up and you see that they've got cards in their hand and they've got a bunch of blue mana they can spend, you're like, I want to cast it. And like, Nope. You know, like, Nope. <laughs> um, and then black is like a lot of like death sacrificing and discarding. So sometimes it's like mill 10 cards 
And it's like, okay, so you put 10 cards literally from your deck into the graveyard, like the discard pile. But then you might have a card that says, summon three things onto the battlefield from your graveyard. And that would end up being much cheaper than if you cast them, you know, from your hand. So there's like all kinds of different things. But then you have all these hybrid decks where it's like black and red. So it's vampires and zombies sacrificing and buffing each other up. And then there's three color decks and you have to plan all around it. It's I'm, I'm nerding out. And there's probably a bunch of people whose eyes are totally I mean, glazing. it's crazy. It's 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 just so much fun, dude. Yeah, uh, I, I really a lot of people have been coming in and they're like, yeah, I heard, uh, you know, on the podcast that you were playing magic. I wanted to come check it out. And, uh, you know, so dude. it's been cool. Totally different, like chunk of the community coming in and hanging out while i do that for sure uh yeah it's been it's been really fucking chill that's so. cool i mean and we were talking before the show about how like just fun and exciting it is to play something that's not mentally draining but mentally like i don't know what what the word is additive stimulating. yes stimulating yeah it, it makes you excited and like gets you in in the zone and that's really cool that's really cool yeah it's not better than when you like 900 iq somebody like, it, it's it's awesome when you do it in Tarkov, but you have to 900 IQ them and the game not punish you and you actually physically have to, like, flick and hit your shot, right? Yeah. Like, there are times when 900 IQ somebody and then I just miss the headshot. Yes. It's like, okay, in this game, it's like, you can think 27 turns ahead and you know what they're going to play and play around it. And then it, it's not like reaction time and net code. It's like... I just outthought you and outmaneuvered yeah. you. And it's like, oh, it's so sad. You can 900 IQ and just be chilling. Like you're just, you're like laid back, you're chilling, listening to music, and, and, but you're like immersed and you can just do it. And it doesn't have to be all the other things aligning with that 900 IQ. Yeah. Yeah. That's sick. That's really cool. Yeah. And the only other thing I'm, I'm finishing up um, that it's, it's been like in the works for like two years now is uh, the, I'm going to have it. Probably by the time the podcast is up uh, on YouTube. So if you're listening to this when it's when it's been released, um, you can check out my music channel. Um, hopefully, I'll, I'll have it done. Um, my introduction to like music theory, which is mm. basically like, it, there's no non-salesman way to put this, but it's like watch this like 11 minute video if you're a guitarist. It will change your fucking life when it comes to music and theory and the whole premise of it is basically like if you know how to play like a major scale which is like most guitarists know how to play like one yeah. scale that's it the whole premise is if you know one then you literally have 99.9 percent .9 of what you need to be able to play all of the crazy complex shit that you never knew you knew you just knew you didn't even know what you didn't know um <laughs> Yeah, so, and, and then in Veritas style, the video is it's effectively like a metaphor, basically saying yeah. like you're standing out on the shore of the beach and you're seeing all these people exploring the ocean and it's like you don't know how to swim. You can kind of paddle frantically around in four inches of water over here, but you just get sand in your shorts and it kind of sucks and you just look out longingly over all those people exploring this world, the ocean that you've never seen before, right? And basically what what my video is, is it's like, okay, here's some scuba gear, an oxygen tank, and some floaties. Throw you in the deep end, and you'll paddle around, and you'll be like, whoa, this is really cool, this is really great. And then after a while, you're going to realize like, oh, wait, I've been swimming. 
You're going to just paddle around for a while until all of a sudden you realize I can swim. You take the floaties off and you'll just be able to swim. So it's like you're going to learn how to swim without sitting there and doing paddling drills in the shore yeah. for 10 hours a day, every day. You're just going to be able to fucking mess around. Dude. So, yeah, I'm really excited because I think it's like it's it's a way that that music theory and guitar theory has hasn't been taught for 300 fucking years. Like it, it's just it isn't taught this way. And I don't know why it's not taught this way. So I'm excited. So check out my music channel if, if that's something you guys are interested in. I'm actually really excited about that because like I have seen like I know kind of what you're talking about because I've seen you talk about that and explain that and break that down. And I've only ever like come in and left like during bits of that. So I'm actually really excited to see that because I've I've seen you explain it and it has blown my mind. And I, I don't I haven't played guitar in a long time. Um, but, and I wish I had that when I, when I was, when I was playing, because I always used to do that. I mean, I always used to like, look at people who could just like riff on their own and know what they're doing. Like I can learn just about anything. I had enough skill that I could keep up with and basically play anything if I could just learn it, but I could never like make that. So, um, so I'm super interested to, uh, to see it and like, see the full explanation uninterrupted, you know, in a YouTube video and see it. That's, that's super. You know, you know, those kids keyboards, where you play a note and it's always just like that. No matter what you play, it's always like the right note. Yeah. Or some of those pianos where like the keys light up. Yeah. And like, yeah. If you press any other key, it doesn't make noise except for the one that lights up. So it's like you can't fuck up. That's kind of like, that's kind of like what I'm going to do, which is basically like you're going to be able to go and improvise in G sharp Phrygian and, and get that cool sound that you've never even knew that you knew. And you're not even going to know why, but you're you're going to know how to do it, but not why. So the, the, this video is basically like I want to I want people to watch it and go. This is fucking amazing. How am I doing this? I need more. And then hopefully, you know, if, if the, the the response is positive yeah. enough and enough, then I can release my like 20 part series that I have literally almost done. I just don't know how to introduce it. Yes. And this is my introduction, the teaser where it's like, hey. Here's some floaties. Go throw them in the water and then have everybody say, this is fucking amazing. Yes. This is so. the hook. This is the hook yeah. because then they're going to be playing stuff they've never been able to play before. And they're like, oh, I need more of this. That makes a lot yeah. of sense. A lot of sense. That's really cool. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about that. <sighs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, I think that's just about just about everything. Not a whole lot of Tarky stuff. Neither of us have been playing it very much. Um, but yeah, man, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, I think, yeah, that was just about everything. Battlefield hazard zone is like nothing like Tarkov at all, even though that's yeah. what everybody said it was going to be. Yeah. That's what I've heard. I don't know. We'll see. I'm not holding my breath. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to play it. It's just the whole, like, everything's got to be something. You know what I mean? The, you know, every game has to be the Dark Souls of something, or it's got to be the Tarkov of something, or it's got to be, you know, it's got guns, so it's PUBG. It's got a slide, so it's COD. You know what I mean? It's just like, so I, yeah, I didn't take too much stock into it. I'm excited about seeing it and playing it, but that's really it. But I think yep. that's it. So uh, thank you guys so much for hanging with us. As always, um, I will try to get this out early next week at an appropriate volume and quality. I'm sorry for the people that I know. It's so it's so exciting and cool to me that we have people waiting on a Monday. 
But then it makes me so stressed out because when something bad happens, it takes so long to like pull it down, re-export it, re-upload it, let it process and do the thing. So like it all came crashing down. Although I will say, dude, fiber internet, we moved. We moved this weekend, which is why life's been crazy. But like, dude. Now it, like, you can't even tell that you're in a different space. Yeah, people... People have been making fun of me about that all the time. Yeah, I'm in a different state. Um, but, dude, the fiber internet is great. I can upload the 32 gigabyte podcast in like seven minutes. <laughs> it's like crazy. It doesn't process in that time, but it uploads to YouTube in that time. Fuck yeah. It's nuts. It's super exciting. No, I'm jealous. But, uh, but yeah, so thanks for hanging with us, everybody. Let's talk with us live. Uh, it'll be on all the platforms early next week. And uh, thanks for hanging. We will definitely see you all on the next one. Peace.